DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, joining us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Does it get much better than that, Nick? Uh, well, yes, that's tough, man. Any level of surprise to the the total annihilation? Because I got to admit, I expected you to win, but not like that. Um, yes, and no. I say I think our preparation throughout the week determined the outcome of the game, along with um, you know just the overall atmosphere and how we took advantage of it. Um. We knew we had the opportunity to do as we did, and um, everyone bought in 100%, and we did so. So I am curious on the uh, on the play of the game there. Are you standing up on the sideline and, and, and Covey whooshes by you and you get all the adrenaline and all that, or your big, tired offensive lineman beating on 300 people and you're sitting down on the bench and your teammates blocked you from the whole thing and you watched it on the scoreboard? Uh, no, I was, I was up. I was ready to go because we were about to go on the field and, you know, take a shot if we had to before half. We knew we wanted to score before the half again. Um, so, you know, when it happened, I was like, oh my God, this can't be real. Cause it was funny because I had, I had talked to Covey at about like eight o'clock in the morning that day. And I was like, Covey, I feel like you're going to have an okay day on offense. He's like, oh, thanks. What's that supposed to mean? I was like, for some reason, I have a feeling like you're going to get one today on special teams. Like, it's been a minute, and like, I don't know, you're, I think you're going to get one today. He's like, all right, let's, let's do it. So then right after he scored, I was like, Covey, what did I, I tell you, bro? He's like, I know, I know. And it was, no, it was awesome. <laughs> Certainly was, yeah. Maybe the highlight play of the season. Is speaking oh, sure. of speaking of the season, we had heard earlier rumblings. Oh, Coach Whittingham, he's burned out, doesn't have enough energy. Blah blah blah. This may be his last year. And then he goes on on the field, does the interview with the the TV network. I said, this is the most fun he's had coaching. And, and you've been in the program for a number of years and experienced a lot of highs, a couple of lows. Have you noticed any difference with, with Coach Whittingham as far as what he's doing this year as opposed to other other years? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, you, you could tell definitely at the start of the year that, you know, he was tired as long as uh, it just arrives along with all of us. And I don't think it's from coaching. I think it's from all we have been through um, with Ty and Alo. And um, then, you know, he kind of regained that spark back in him. And um, I don't think he's ever been tired of coaching. I just, I just think he had a hard time, difficult time with uh, Ty and Alo because, you know, he, he's a, a player's coach, and he cares a lot. And, you know, it hit him where it shouldn't have hit him. And, um, you know, I think he struggled with that. Um, and that's more so off the field. That's not even on the field. But, uh, you know, when it came to, you know, at practice, even after that stuff happened in the weight room and, and meeting rooms, you know, he is, he's the same exact guy, same exact energy. I'd say even more so. He's, he's having a lot of fun this year. So uh, we are curious, and, and since uh, you're going back and forth Britain uh, on game days, maybe you heard after the game. So he goes into the end zone. The hands go above the head. Was, he, uh, was that a heart remembering the two teammates, or was that an O getting in Oregon's face? 
Say it again. He, he takes his, he scores, and he puts his hands over his head, and he puts his hands together. And he okay. might have been making a heart to remember the two teammates. He might have been making an O, just rubbing it into Oregon. Um, I think it was a heart. Um, I'm not sure what it was for. Maybe it was for Ty. Maybe it was for, um, you know, he's doing a lot of advocation for you know, suicide prevention. Um, it could be either or. And uh, I think that's more something that you know you got to ask Covey to find find out uh, you know what was his overall intention was on that. So you talk about how you had the great week of practice and the focus and all that, and you got a huge game coming up in two weeks. But you got Colorado this week. What are you going to do as you as a team leader, making sure that the focus is at hand? Worry about next week when it comes. Well, I mean, you said it yourself. We have a huge game in two weeks, and we have Colorado right now, and. You know what I'm going to do to make sure we focus now, and that's that's basically it. Is you know that we understand that's in two weeks, and um, you know we got a game in Colorado this uh, Friday. It's going to be a lot of people's last time playing in that stadium, so we need to make sure that everyone gets out of there the right way. And you know we have an undefeated record at home. So Kyle always says, and he actually said it in the post game after Oregon, we got to send guys out the right way. He says it every year. We would be shocked if he didn't say it. We've heard him say it. But how much does that really resonate with the guys, and how much do guys who are playing for the last time mention that with teammates about wanting to win their last game at Rice Eccles? Uh, it means a lot. It's something you know that we harp on, and something that you know we've done for multiple years, and. Um, I think, you know, when you're new in the program, you kind of buy into it, you see it, and, you know, you love it, and you get out to the game, and you realize, like, yeah, like, I got to you know, do this for the seniors. And, uh, you, you realize that throughout the week as when you're young. And I'd say that it takes more effect on people as you're just older throughout the program because you realize that is, it is, you know, in all seriousness what Coach Witt means because he's a player's coach and everything. And, I mean, yeah, like, that's like even an understanding that because you know we had our team meeting and he was like, I want a list from every single person on where they're going on Thanksgiving and what they're doing. I don't want anyone to eat alone. And you know, I think that just goes to show you know how much he actually cares about you know how we feel and what kind of player we are and what kind of person we are. It's more, uh, it's more you know a caring factor than anything. This is going to be your last game in Rice Eccles Stadium. Oh, we will see. see. (laughs) You're so coy, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) So how satisfying was it, uh, given the way things went for the offensive line early in the year and at times the way it went for the defensive line? Both BYU and Oregon State really pushed the D-line around. How satisfying was it to have a game against a highly ranked team that you know can run the ball and – to win that battle decisively, both on the offensive and de- defensive side of the, um, it's awesome. You know, um, there's you know there's a lot of uh, mixed emotions people had about us, and um, you know we um, we understood that we were capable even when you know we hit that that wall um, way back when. We understood that, you know what we could do, and uh, we figured out how to do it. Um, you know, we should have figured out way earlier how to do it, but game time scenario is very different. And, um, you know, we're just going to continue to improve because, you know, all the hate is not in the barn for sure. So we got to sit there and see, you know, how can we get 22% better? How can we improve on this and that? Because there's still mistakes. We're playing at a high level, but there's still, you know, 
small mistakes that people don't realize and we're always going to strive to be perfect and um I think the the best thing about this is a lot of uh, the guys, especially in our room, the O-line room, um, realize that a lot of people, you know, I counted us out earlier in the year, and, you know, we always talk about working in the dark and, you know, staying within the room, and that's what we're going to continue to do. You know, we're not going to start looking out and seeing what people are saying and see, you know, if people like us, don't like us. It's always just going to be my brothers in that room, that 15, 20 guys, and, ultimately the five to maybe six or seven that play. I've been involved in the foster care system for about a decade now, so I think i got a pretty good handle on what's going on. And you're going to be, you've been involved in it, and you've got something coming up to help out the system. Can you explain what it's all about and why you're doing it? Yeah, so I mean, um, everyone really knows about Sunday Supper. It happened a while ago. And um, it's a way to get athletes, you know, together and um, make sure that, you know, we're taking care of our community. I uh, started off, uh, I would say, kind of small, not really. Um, and it was me and then uh, Corner Canyon High School. And um, I, I cooked. They came over. They packed it. We all hung out. And, you know, we started handing it out to, um, you know, foster care families to show them we really appreciate them and everything they do for the kids. And, you know, we understand that it's hard and sometimes they want to relax. So we cooked a meal for them. And um, so that was the first one. The second one, um, I had a couple of players want to join me, so I brought Solo, Solomon Enos along, and Corner Canyon was there again. And um, it was a little bit bigger, and we uh, went to a park, down the Draper, I believe, and um, handed out some food. Uh, again, same stipulations. Um, and then, you know, we wound up playing a couple of games with the foster kids and whatnot. And uh, this was all... Well, the first one was prior to uh, playing the Cougs, and um, my guy Lorenzo, um, that's my guy. Um, we had been mutual friends. Um, we wore the same number. Uh, we went against each other, and, uh, you know, we've talked on and off the field, and, and he uh, saw everything I was doing, and come BYU game, uh, he came up to me pregame, and we were talking, everyone in the stadium was looking at us like we were, you know, crazy as heck because like why are you guys talking right now so uh you know he, he loves what i do in the community and i said hey man like i appreciate it bro and it's, it's a community thing so are you trying to join like you can get your boys my boys going and you know make it something big make something that last and it's like oh i'm game because you know he always want to work with foster care as well so we decided that you know our next one um we're gonna see you know who all wants to you know hop in and um, you know, make make something great happen. So uh, you know, we're gonna find a facility right now. Um, we're pretty sure we have a facility. We're still we're still looking. If anyone here is and is interested, um, but essentially, it's gonna be a ton of uh, Utah football players, and it's gonna be a ton of uh, BYU football players. And um, I talked to Coach Witt, and he's most likely going. And they're gonna talk to their head coach, and he's most likely going. And um, we're just all going to go down there, and it's going to be the same concept. We're going to go over to Cultivate Kitchen, cook a meal, so that way, you know, the foster parents don't have to cook, they don't have to worry, and also they get a great meal. The kids get a great meal. You know, it's just good food for good people, and um, we also, you know, are hoping for that facility. So now that way, with everyone being vaccinated and the masks and everything, that, you know, you're going to be able to hang out and see people, right? So you're going to be able to see um, you know, me or Lorenzo or 
Covey, Cam Rising, maybe um, you know a couple other BYU cats over there out in Tulsa, um, and um, you know just hang out, Coach Witt, their head coach, um, and um, that's that's mainly what it is, just bringing people together um, and realizing you know we may be rivals on the field, and a lot of a lot of uh, players know this, we may be rivals on the field, but there's a lot of people who are friends on each team and. Um, even are related and stuff like that. And I mean, even, you know, our two head coaches are friends. Um, but it's different come to game day. And, um, you know, that aspect is awesome. And we all get it. And we want to make sure that, you know, the community sees that aspect and we can get the community to do the same thing and realize, you know, there's a, there's a good rivalry out here for sure. But, you know, if Utah County and Salt Lake City County and the we all team up together. We could really, really, really do something special for the state and continue to do so. And that's when I came up with that idea of going purple for state because red utes and blue coos make up purple, which is the Utah Fox care symbol. So, um, you know, that's what we plan on doing. And it's going to be December 12th. We have donation bots or if you want to offer their time. Um, and yeah, that's basically what it is, just making sure good people get good food and they have a good experience and get to hang out and we bring awareness to something you know that needs to be brought aware you talk about the uh some of the friendships uh on both sides of the rivalry here it probably wouldn't surprise you to know samson nakua was on the show earlier saying the byu plane erupted when uh when covey took the punt back because there's so many bonds between so many players on both teams, and Covey obviously went to Timview High, not you know, not far from the BYU campus. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that at all for sure. Um, like earlier, early in the season, and other times, you know, when I watch them play, I mean, I'd be going crazy for Samson. Like, especially like when we played on the field. That day, I was like, I had so many mixed emotions when he was catching that touchdown. I was like, man, I, I should go over there, smack you, but give you a hug. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I know Covey has a bunch of great relationships down there. And uh, it's because Covey's a great guy. And, um, you know, that that's what that program is, too. That program, you know, although we're very, very big rivals, they're full of great people. It's 100%, no, no question about it. You cannot question their integrity. And I'm pretty sure they would say the same thing about us. And, um, you know, it just shows through football that, you know, football is big to life, but it's not everything. So we need to make sure that we keep those relationships going and build and help our communities. Well, Nick, we appreciate the time. Good luck with the event on the 12th. Good luck with the Buffs on Friday. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman. Join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. There was a lot of winning this weekend. College football, college basketball, the Jazz. But the Aggies, they had the painful loss. And we will talk with Blake about that and about bouncing back and still having a chance to win the Mountain West Conference title. Blake Anderson coming up next. Stay with us. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. What are the odds that Mark Harlan calls Kalani to just chat about things in the next couple years. Is that totally insane to think that Kalani would entertain a, a, a job offer from Utah? A place that he's pulled the paycheck down from before. Here's why I say yes, it's a possibility. Ooh. And I say yes because 
Kalani Sataki would be phenomenal at Utah. Oh boy, I hate it even hearing that come he would, out of your mouth. Uh, uh, what he would? I mean, it sounded I mean, disgusting. How how he would recruit and what he could bring to the program. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran weekdays from three to seven on 97.5-1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're scheduled to talk with Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, in a couple of minutes here. We do have time to bring you up to date. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Home to the award-winning line of America's standard furnaces and air conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special. Or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Things we have discussed today. The mystery deepens, PK. What was Britton Covey doing? <laughs> Making the heart. The circle. Uh, it's out it there on hard. social media. You brought it up. Nick Ford can't answer. He says, we got to talk to Britton. Oh. Uh, I think, you know, of course, I think immediately evil. <laughs> Which I thought was awesome. I don't think people around here might think it's evil. But T- TV people may think it. But I thought it was sweet. Make the swoosh. But maybe it was just the heart. Yeah. That's fine, too. All right, we'll get to more of the stuff we've been discussing in this show a little later, but right now it's time to welcome in Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, Coach, the first quarter, you come back to tie that game up a couple times, and I think we all thought, well, we've seen the Aggies. This is how they start, but then it gets away. Where where and how and why did it all go horribly wrong? Uh, you know, I was – really concerned about the game all week, just the sheer size and kind of power uh, of what the way they're built. That's been a concern all year. We've survived it a little bit. But if you, you kind of think back to our season has gone, it has exposed just where we need to develop a little bit. And, and so you could tell early that was going to be a concern. But, you know, you can't give up a kickoff return. We kicked a ball that just came out bad ended up in the middle of the field, and we didn't cover it well. We, we snap a ball over the holder's head. We haven't done that all year. And I, I think when they popped the 98-yarder off the goal line, it just you could just see uh, you could see a look on our sideline that really hadn't seen. We didn't, didn't force them to punt again the rest of the game, really struggled to get the ball moving. Um, they've got one of the best defenses in the league, and we knew that going in. It felt like it was going to be a struggle. I mean, they helped Fresno to – 17 points who was leading the league at the time offensively may still be leading the league so you knew what they're capable of um it, it just too many mistakes to keep it close and then physically just got outmatched late in, in a very powerful kind of old school type of game and we're just not quite built like that yet that's something we're really gonna have to work on in recruiting in, in the offseason so I felt listening to you and you already just alluded it but listening to you during the week that started with us a week ago you probably had as much fear about this game as any game you had, and I don't want to say you're prophetic, but you turned out to be right. Yeah, I just I know how we're built right now, and I know how we're not built. I mean, it's it's the and it plays in our favor. I mean, a week ago against San Jose State, our speed and quickness obviously dominated the game, and we felt like we had the same thing out in space against Hawaii. It allowed us to do some things uh, against teams this year. But when you look at just where we struggled to stop BYU, where we struggled at times to stop Boise, how we struggled even in games against you know Colorado State at times. UNLV was was a struggle at times. You just knew going into the way they were built and what they're willing to do and how they want the game to go that everything was going to have to work perfectly for us. And even our matchups 
when you loaded the box, big, long, physical wideouts against, you know, we're quick and fast, but we're not real big outside on the edges, and they won every 50-50 ball for the day. I just knew it had to go. We had to have everything hit and, and click perfectly for us to to have the kind of game we wanted, and we just didn't get that. We played hard, but we did not play well. We made some very, very big mistakes and key moments, and they didn't. You know, they made the plays they needed with the exception of the one interception, which was a great play by Zach Bond. They really didn't make any mistakes all day long. New Mexico started uh, 2-0, and and now they have lost 8 out of 9, but the win was over Wyoming, which yeah. makes no sense to me, but nonetheless, that's the way it is. Well, Rocky Long is the best defensive mind in football, in my opinion. Has been for a long time. He gets more out of less than anybody I've ever seen. I worked for him and have obviously followed his career. Danny Gonzalez is right there and learned from him since he was born, pretty much. And they just, they, I mean, they stole him. They held Wyoming to three points in 200 yards offense. So we, uh, we know there's going to be a, you know, it's going to be chaos. People coming from the rafters. They got, People coming from everywhere on, on any given down. They've gone straight triple option uh, over the last half of the season due to some injuries and I think really just their inefficiency early offensively. I know I talk to Danny all the time. We're, we're, we're on staff together and close. And I know that week before going to Wyoming, they just decided we're going straight triple. We're going to manage the game and play play defense. And it's they have not won uh, any games except for that one. But it completely changed their ability to be competitive, uh, and they have uh, they have been in some games now. You know, we're going to have to decipher what Rocky's doing defensively and try to score some points, and then be assignments out on defense and and, and stop the triple option. So uh, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be a challenge, and it's it's on the road. And big, probably the biggest challenge is get this one out of our head. A lot of riding on it. We clearly wanted to control our own destiny. We don't have that option anymore. But we got to go control us and play our best ball on Saturday, you know, on Friday in Albuquerque, which is always a challenge. So it wouldn't be an interview with you unless we asked you how Logan Bonner's feeling this week. <laughs> he feels like uh, a dude that got hit a lot. Uh, he's sore, beat up, but but he's fine. I mean, that's the nature of uh, the business. And he uh, he he finished. You know, we we did hold him out the last few minutes of the game just because it felt like he'd been hit enough, and the game was obviously out of reach, but. He was in here yesterday doing treatment like he always is. He'll be ready to go. Tough sucker, he'll be ready to go, and Peasley will be ready to go if, if, if he's needed. So this is something every coach in every sport at every level says, high school, college, pro. Jerry Sloan, the late jazz coach, used to say, don't play backwards. We knew exactly what he meant. You don't let one defeat spin into another. And you said the biggest challenge is to get that game out of the players' minds as you prepare for New Mexico. So how do you do that? What do you what do? You, do? you know, today's meeting typically uh, has been, you know, we, we meet today at, at, at 1.30 with, with positions and, and offense, defense, and again as a team at 5. And I'll do my very best at 5 o'clock to set the stage to move forward. You know, we're going to dissect the the mistakes and teeth like we always do, but uh, I've got to do my best job standing in front of them and setting the scene for um, that there's still a ton to play for. I mean, we, we get a win, and San Diego State wins. We still play for a title. There's five teams in our league right now that have a shot at the title game, and, and everybody needs to win to get it done. So we're no different. We're lucky to be in that position. We earned that opportunity. Uh, so I just got to focus on them on on moving forward, and that's not easy. But 
hopefully we're mature enough to do that uh, because I know the worst thing we can do is see San Diego State win on Friday and us not take care of our business and, and what we feel from losing this game won't come it won't even come close to what we feel uh, for letting that one slip if, if truly the opportunity presents itself so control what you can control and get to number nine which I don't know you guys know how many teams in the country get a chance to win nine games in a year especially after coming off a one in five season so yeah, yeah we just need that we need to rally and, and pick ourselves up and, and move forward so you talk about that recruiting and how you've identified specific needs to get your team to the level that you want it to be. And how do you handle that? Because you have these specific needs that you identified, but suppose somebody who isn't part of that particular need and won't necessarily solve the problem, but is a good player and is interested. How do you balance that? Yeah, it's always a challenge. I mean, you got to look at numbers, and you don't ever want to pass on a, a player that you feel like is going to really – add value to your roster, but we cannot get outside the framework of, of, you know, we have an idea what this league looks like now. I didn't have a clue coming into it. It's way bigger, way more powerful uh, on a weekly basis than I anticipated. Uh, You know, it's not as spread out in space as what I've come from uh, in the Sun Belt. And so we've got to, we've got to start building our our roster to fit that. And it, it may not have to be a down to down basis, but at least the ability to match personnel groupings to play in those environments. And right now, we're quicker and faster than we are powerful. Uh, so off-season, nutrition, and recruiting are the only ways to affect that. So there's going to be some really tough decisions as we get closer and closer to signing day, as we get closer and closer to potential transfers or late signees with some of the waivers that are involved with the NCAA. We're going to have some tough decisions to make. Do we take this guy because of what he brings to the table in terms of size and power, or do we take this guy because he clearly could help our our, uh, roster in some way, whether it be explosive play or or speed or dynamic nature, and and you do run out of scholarships and spots at some point, and and that's where it becomes really, really difficult down the stretch. So your path to the conference championship game is you beat New Mexico, take care of business, and meanwhile San Diego State beats Boise State, and then the Air Force game doesn't really matter because you've got the head-to-head tiebreaker over Air Force. So you've played Boise. You have not played San Diego. Can you handicap that game for us a little bit? You know, I would say at San Diego State, with, with them having to win to get in, I mean, it's, it's going to be a battle. I, I, I feel like what I've seen on film, it's super even. And uh, it, it's going to come down like all of them do. Big key mistake. Uh, uh, it looks as if San Diego State has as good a defense as anybody uh, in the country, and definitely in the league. And um, and then they are they are able to run the ball uh, really really well. And, and so I think it's two very evenly matched football teams. It looks like Boise's playing their best ball late. I know they dropped some games early, but the last few weeks they've played lights out. So. I would say that's a pick them, and, and maybe the home team gets the nod in, in that particular situation. I'm wondering when you meet with the team, one of your one of your angles of your, of your conversation or your talk with them could be, hey, listen, you know, if we were back in August and somebody said to us, we got a chance to be 9-3 and three and a chance to win the division on the last week of the season, we would all take it. So basically, you know, learn from Saturday, but it doesn't really matter now. And we're in a great position. Is that an angle? Yeah, I mean, it just gets you to come do the meeting. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're pretty good at this stuff. 
Uh, that's really what it is. I mean, yeah, and you guys, I don't know if y'all t- – I mean, nobody picked us to win more than five games nope. this year. Nope, And so we, uh, we've we exceeded expectations of everybody's but our own. Our, we, we knew this was a game we could win. We didn't play well. But if we carry it with us this week, we don't. It, it will absolutely affect our ability to do what we're supposed to this week. We can win nine. We still have the ability to win ten, and who knows, maybe even eleven. And what this group has done is unbelievable. It, it, if we didn't win another game, they've already done a phenomenal job of moving us in the direction we need to go. But we're not done yet. So I am going to do everything I can to rally them and point their eyes forward and make them grateful and for what they've done and, and, and thankful for what we have the opportunity to do. Uh, and, and hopefully, as I said, this group is mature enough. I, I think we got some great leaders in the, in the room, obviously. That's why we've played the way we've played. Some great leadership on the field. And a bunch of those guys have already been through my office this morning and, and yesterday. I believe they'll be bought in. I believe they'll move forward. And I truly believe we'll go find a way to win number nine, although it may be way tougher than anybody wants it to be because of the nature of just how good they are defensively, schematically, and what they're going to do offensively is going to be a pain with the triple option. So we're going to have to go earn it, and uh, that's going to be the focus all week. Rocky's been on our show many times. He was one of our favorites. He was just so blunt and to the point. We loved having him on. (laughs) And then he went to San Diego State, and I grew up down there going to their games, so I was happy with how much he won when he was at San Diego State. So we get where you're going with that. Hey, before we let you go, we we touched on one thing this morning, and I know we're going to end up talking about it going forward. It's a bigger picture, but you're kind of in the middle of it in your profession, so I'm curious what you think. Coaches are getting fired earlier in the calendars. Nobody's waiting for, well, not nobody, but many teams are not waiting for Black Monday and the end of the regular season. And we're in double digits of coaches who've been let go. Three of the jobs have already been filled. Is this being sped up because of the money at stake? Is this being sped up because they move signing date up? Is it something else from your perspective? What do you think? I think early signing day is the biggest factor. I really believe that um, it has sped things up because everybody feels like if, if we if we wait until you know till the last game's over with, we're, gonna, we're basically going to be completely out of the first signing day, and uh, and, and you know we're going to be set back another year. And, and there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I just feel like, and I think I learned this probably by doing it wrong. I think I don't think you're going to win a championship in the first signing day, but I think you can lose championships in the first signing day by by rushing and panicking. And I think to some degree that that now that signing day is in December and 99% of the guys are going to sign in and the transfer portal is going to open up and dudes are going to be flying all over the place, it just appears as if if guys already made up their mind, they just are not willing to, to let a coach finish or keep evaluating to see if it's the right move. They just immediately start, the dominoes start falling. It's, it's, you, it's not going to change. And you've mentioned several have already placed coaches and they're already on those – I mean, Joey McGuire's coaching at Texas Tech, and they're going to play Baylor here, uh, I think, here this next weekend. And I, I don't know if anybody's ever seen that before. A guy move from one place to the other and then have a turnaround and going to coach back against them during the same season. That's just the nature of what we're up against, and it's not likely to go backwards. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Good luck against New Mexico. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback. We'll get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show next. Stay with us.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-need ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Just logged on to Twitter to get your feedback from the show and saw a hilarious uh, stat slash take here, <laughs> especially when you consider what they must be implying. Elias Sports Bureau has a subdivision, Elias Game Plan. I guess they track a lot of uh, gambling stuff. Tom Brady has failed to cover any of his last nine regular season games that started at 7 p.m. Eastern or later. As he gets older, he's too tired to win late. Unless well, he, he has... talks about going to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock to so maintain this regimen. So he's just not up for these night games? Unless it's the playoffs and there's adrenaline. <laughs> that seems a crazy stat. But of all the trends they track, there you go. It's the Giants and the Bucks tonight for Monday Night Football, something to channel surf to when you're watching the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. True. Check them both out. Probably won't be locked down on a Giants football game, but it's Brady, so it's definitely worth checking in. Question of the day on uh, Twitter, Ute fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas? We've got almost 900 votes, and the leader with 36.5% of the votes... It doesn't matter. Oregon's getting 25%, Oregon State 23 and Washington State 15 and a half. That's a dumb question. The question needs to be, who do you want to play in the Rose Bowl? That's a question for another day. Maybe for tomorrow. That's the question. Who do you want to play? Ohio State? Michigan? Michigan State? I'd probably we're say both, Michigan. Yeah, we're both expecting I'm Ohio State to bang for your buck. Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. They're going to win the Big Ten title game. They're going to go so to the playoffs. So they'll be realistic. off, right? And so if Michigan plays Ohio State a little better than Michigan State did, which is to say is reasonably competitive at all, since Michigan State gave up seven straight touchdowns on seven possessions and trailed forty nine nothing at halftime. Right. I expect they'll pick Michigan. Michigan now, oh, if yeah, Michigan yeah, yeah, gets yeah. blown out too, Michigan State's got the argument: Hey, we beat them head to head. True. But I would go with Michigan. It's a higher-profile program. So I want as much yeah. attention as I possibly can get. Kyle Winningham, once upon a time, brought up the fact that you'd have a three-game win streak over Michigan. That's irrelevant. But yeah. I want as much attention. I want the country focused on the Rose Bowl to get the biggest bang for my buck. Jim Harbaugh. Personalities matter. For sure, yeah. And as an NFL guy... He brings a lot of cachet to the deal. And it would be sort of symbolic because the Sun Devils in their only Rose Bowl win beat Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> so it ties the... Not as it, a coach. It ties the Patrick... As the player. As the player, right. It ties yeah. the Patrick Kinahan story together. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I anticipated being there again. And so, yeah, I want, I want Harbaugh. I, I, there's no way they can't play him closer. They're not going to be down 49 nothing at half. <laughs> <laughs> that was spectacular. Yeah. I was ready to leave that game very early on. It was really clear how that was going to go, but I got to admit I stuck around for a couple more possessions. I thought, all right, I'm convinced Ohio State is literally going to score on every single possession. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's incredible. It was just, hey, what a beatdown. It's as bad as it gets. 49 to nothing at halftime. Yeah. I mean, how do you get more than seven possessions and a half? You score every time you have the ball. They might have had a one-play kneel down at the half. I can't remember, but you get the point. 
Uh, we got comments on the poll. Justin says, "You uh, fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas? BYU, the only undefeated team in the Pac-12 this year. Not getting that. No. Uh, Thankful Tyson says, "I've looked at the photo. Looks like a heart to me. How about the fact it was a 78-yard punt return, meaning?" He caught it on the 22. Exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. That's not my thing, but if you want to run with it, yeah. go ahead. Roger says, that was definitely a heart. Okay. And Mama Hawes says, I'm cons- constantly amazed that the, first, that the first 43-year-old Covey can continue to play at the level he does. I think they're going to honor him this Saturday because he's already spoken and said that he's not interested in coming back which would be an eighth year in the program minus the two years he was serving the mission. Uh, so he's, unless he's changed his mind, he's made that decision. So go ahead and, and get honored, uh, particularly if you go to the Rose Bowl. What a way to go out. Win or lose. Yeah, right. You're Pasadena. Yeah. Well, he said he wants to take his uh, shot at the NFL and... See if you can catch on as a punt return guy in the uh, in the NFL. There've been a lot of small, elusive punt return guys. Reno Maya would be the local example, but a little more. thicker in the body yeah. uh, than uh, Britton is. Uh, he might. I don't know, man. It's hard to say he's quicker than Reno. Reno's feet were just amazing. But they're both very quick. Yeah, able to cut, explode, make guys miss in the open field when they're coming at you at top speed. You know, I'm my best high school player I ever saw play. And I and I lived in California where they sent dozens of guys to the pros. U-State Iceman says, uh, you fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 title game? He says, BYU or Utah State. <laughs> Everybody's over the Pac-12s. Over it. One in-state games. I couldn't care less who they play. There's a storyline in every which way. So it doesn't Oregon's matter to me. the rematch. Oregon State's revenge, and Washington State is yeah they played, but these two teams will both be very different in Las Vegas than they were that day in Salt Lake. Washington State will have their starting quarterback back, presumably. They lost their star running back in the middle of the game. The Utes are a completely different different team. They had fumbleitis big time. David Thomas is a different player. The O line and D line are playing at a higher level, and a quarterback's. The same, but he's got a lot more experience. I think Oregon gives you the biggest bang for the buck in the way that Michigan does. Yes. So I think from the Pac-12 perspective, I'd prefer Oregon. You're going brand names. Plus, it would be way cool to just punk Oregon twice. (laughs) You thought that was a fluke? (laughs) Thank you, sir, man. Have another. Yeah. It's sort of a ho-hummer, even though they lost to Oregon State, if you should play Oregon State and Washington State. Oh, yeah. Washington State sizzle. Washington State with an interim coach and a seven and five record. Could there be less sizzle? I mean, yeah, congrats. It's, it's like you're not even going to get all that much credit if you. No, you're there. not. I mean, congrats to those players for pulling through a difficult season that they didn't have any say over. But you know the there's no sizzle. Are going to be yeah, tearing their hair out. There's no sizzle at seven and five. Yeah, I'd much so from that perspective. I would rather see Oregon come in there. Uh, so you have uh, what uh, they actually have a better record than you. Overall, Oregon would be ten and two, and the Utes would be eight and four, nine and three. They better be nine and three. Oh, they're going to be nine, <laughs> nine and, three. and three. Yeah. So yes, Oregon would still come in with the better record and presumably higher ranked. 
Well, they still have the best win. They beat Ohio State, and that yeah. win's looking better and better. Yeah. That, Ohio State just keeps Utah people. beating Oregon is not as impressive at home as Oregon going, going to, Columbus. to Columbus. Yeah, I don't know how they did it, but for them, they did it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're all done. Jake and Ben are coming up next right here on The Zone Sports Network.